Give to Barrett. Cut back over the middle of the 25 to the 20. Breaks a tackle to the 15. Stop, starts 10 5. Touchdown, Lions. Holy mackerel. Throws end zone. It is caught. What a play back there in the back of the end zone by TJ Hawkinson. You're listening to the One Pridecast. All right, welcome to the One Pridecast. I'm joined by Benjamin Solak. Mm -hmm. Ben, and you wrote a really great article for The Ringer. It was titled, The Detroit Lions Have the NFL's Most Promising Rebuild. Mm I'll preface this. You're from Grand, Ra- Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. So you've been watching the Lions throughout the entire season, picking up on a lot of things that other people didn't. Sure. And in this article, you did a, a very eloquently job, eloquent job of, of telling the people to have hope yeah. for the Detroit Lions, essentially. Uh, I just asked you, how long did it take you? Were you following along? But you had been following along for the Lions most of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's... um. You're always watching all the teams when you're on like the national beat, especially for me. Like I'm doing a lot of analysis, I'm doing gambling content. So you got to mm-hmm. just be exposing yourself to all the teams and, and kind of seeing what's what. And with the Lions, you just saw a team that was amped up in week seven, you know, and like all the other bad teams in week four, ready to go. You know, close, almost beat a divisional rival. Oh, that was cool. Mm-hmm. And then as the other teams petered out, the other teams just you know, all right, we're gonna be a top ten pick. We're the Giants. We're the Jets. Lame duck head coach. Lame duck general manager. Whatever you want. Lions just didn't, and mm-hmm. that that's really cool. Uh, it's what you expected from a Dan Campbell coach team. But then they also are, like, figuring stuff out, you know what I mean? Like, they switched over play calling, and Dan Campbell was super honest about being like, I don't know what I'm doing, man. Like, the first couple of weeks, he was like, I'm figuring this stuff out. Like, you got to give me a, a minute. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown. He was a good player when he walked in on day one. Took until week 12, week mm-hmm. 13, a couple injuries. From realized, like, oh, he's a really good player, right? There's, like, a learning process there. So you saw a coaching staff – uh, both with the ability to keep their guys motivated, keep their guys locked in, and, and a young team that wanted to win, which is really cool, but also a coaching staff that was learning, mm-hmm. right? Didn't even talk about the defense side of the ball. Like Aubrey Pleasant, like with the work that, that you're getting from, from that defensive backfield. I mean, they undrafted free agent Jerry Jacobs just like locking dudes down before he got hurt, you know what I mean? Like they right. had a great ability to get a lot out of their young guys. Mm-hmm. To me, that doesn't go away. And so if I'm going to believe in a, in a rebuild, right, like I said, it's the most promising rebuild, I want a coaching staff that can – keep a team active and engaged through losses mm-hmm. and I want a coaching staff that appeals to young guys and gets a lot out of them. To me that's the Detroit Lions coaching staff. There's a lot of ways this goes left because the rebuild is hard mm-hmm. but it seems like they got the stuff. Uh, yeah I think it can go left in the sense of mm-hmm. you move on from your head coach in year one yeah. which is a possibility which other rebuilding teams had done. Mm-hmm. Detroit Lions did not because like you mentioned there was a lot of development that showed there and mm-hmm. something you wrote in your article was that rather than a rebuilding team like the Lions go for veteran talent mm-hmm. they stuck with the, the rookies, yeah. the, the undrafted free agents. Um, you mentioned we had eight rookies on the field against Seattle. Like, who yeah. does that right. when they're trying to be a Seahawks team when this, this Lions team was not giving up mm-hmm. just quite yet? So how, how do you think the Lions were so successful going the younger route rather right. than the veteran route? So it is a uh, it is a choice. It is a mental. It is a philo- philosophy decision from mm-hmm. day one because we're here we're here at the combine and we talk all about developmental players. This that Malik Willis, Liberty quarterback, always raw than sushi. How's he going to develop? I can't wait to hear yeah. your thought on him. If as well. you want a, a player to develop, you got to let him be bad. Mm-hmm. You got to you got to put him on the field and say reps are the best teacher, right? You can you can give as guys many mental reps as you want, as many Tuesday reps as you want in mm-hmm. practice. But the reality is, unless you're putting him on the field and, and allowing him to make mistakes, and then Fixing those makes mistakes constructively without, you know, destroying a guy's ego, destroying his confidence over the course of the week. 
needs perhaps to get better, yeah. right? Like you know, San Francisco with Trey Lance, picked him at number three. Oh, what if they sit him again? What if he's not ready? Eventually, you just got to play him, right? And if he's going to be bad for a couple weeks, he's going to be mm-hmm. bad for a couple weeks. And so there was an acceptance, and, and you know that comes from Campbell. It comes from Brad Holmes, and it comes from ownership as well, the Ford family, saying, we're going to put a product down the field that maybe ain't, ain't, ain't pretty the whole time, yeah. right? We're going we're gonna to put Penesu out there at left tackle early and one pretty early. You know what it was late in the season? Real pretty. It was really yeah. pretty. And it got a lot better. And so you, you as, a, as a nucleus, are deciding we're going to look a little bit ugly. And the lines mm-hmm. looked ugly when they've been trying not to. So they're, they're okay with it. They're ready for it a little bit. We're going to choose to look ugly for a little bit because we're going to reap the benefits of that a lot later. But it was a very entertaining ugly. It was. Yeah, yeah. Were you not entertained? Very No, absolutely. And, and it was the, you know... Rocky movie. It was the the underdog every single week, right? Yeah. Like uh, we would do the the Friday show for the Ringer, and we're on mm-hmm. the preview show. And every week, I was like, guys, Lions might win this one, baby. This might be the one. And obviously, it took like eleven games for us to get there. But they were a team that felt like they were in it every fourth quarter, which also like keeps your guys' spirits up a little bit. You're not just getting you know uh, just absolutely lambasted by thirty every no. week. You're you're in those games. That's nice. It's a lot of walk off field goals. Yeah. Tied game with Pittsburgh in the ugliest weather that I've ever mm-hmm. seen in my entire life. Yeah, no, they were really close. And you really highlighted a lot of really good talent in your article as well. You talked about Germ, Jalen Reeves Maven, yeah. a 2017 draft pick for the Lions, um, and Derek Barnes, the rookie. Those two had to step up when Jamie Collins, the veteran, was right. released. You weren't getting that production out of Germ before right. Aaron Glenn came in here um, and started doing that. And you talked about uh, Derek Barnes' development by f- trial by fire. Yeah. It, it's going to happen. It's going to look a little bit ugly. And then on the uh, another guy on the on the defensive side, Amani Oruwariye. Love Amani coming out. Don't you love him? Yeah, yeah. And and Amani not hitting with Patricia was frustrating because I liked him as a prospect. Yeah. I thought this could be a real guy. You get an Aaron Glenn, Aubrey Pleasant defensive coaching staff, and you go, okay, if he's going to develop in anything, we got the guys. Like this is the coaching staff. I always remember watching Pleasant get in Akuda's face on, on the sideline, right? And obviously like, Akuda had the injury. We didn't get to see yeah. what came of that. What were your thoughts but on that? Guy loves football. Yeah. Yeah. Loves football. Like. Um, a coach is responsible for understanding what his players need, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to coach. Uh, I, was, I was speaking with Nate Tice of the Athletic. His pops was Mike Tice. He always tells the story about Mike Tice coaching the Raiders offensive line in the mid 2010s. Kalachi Assembly, Donald Penn, Ronnie Hudson, incredible guys. Had to coach each one of them differently because they're yeah. different dudes, right? So you got a defensive backfield. You have Jeffrey Kudu, who's a top three pick. Mm-hmm. This was one of the earliest drafted corners in a long time. Ohio State, he was a star, and he came to the league and took it on the chin right away. Yeah. There's a way that guy shuts down. Yeah. And Aubrey in your face, to me, is you are not shutting down on me. We are like, I'm here. I want you to be really good. I expect you to be really good. Mm-hmm. You can be really good. You and I are going to do that together. That, that, if that's Aubrey's read, that's Aubrey's read. You're paying mm-hmm. the coach money to have that correct read. And so it's not my place to say what Jeffrey Kuda needs. It's Aubrey's place. Yes. And I would have loved to have seen what Jeff Kuda would have looked like the rest of that season. But anyway, like ROI a lot, Reeves Maven's a perfect example of mm-hmm. where Jamie Collins, he's a veteran. You know, He knows what he's doing, right? He was brought in by the old system, but whatever. Yes. He'll lead the guys became clear during the season that that wasn't happening. Correct. So we're going to prioritize youth. We're going to prioritize right. Jalen Rees-Maven making some mistakes. We're going to prioritize Derek Barnes, who Dan Campbell like, said out loud. And there's another thing about Campbell that's great. He's open and honest with us about what he's telling his players. And right. he shows the players, like, listen, there is a standard here. Yep. Even if we're going to be bad, there is a standard. Mm-hmm. said Barnes came in, played some good reps, and he's had some bad weeks. We're going to leave him out there, but he's had some bad weeks, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and so you get those guys the precious experience they need by saying to a guy like Jamie Collins, we're gonna let you go. Mm-hmm. You can go somewhere else. You know, system better. You know, you you be a rotational role. But we're gonna prioritize our young guys, and that 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 indicates what the philosophy of the Lions has been this past season and entering this year. So a lot of development with young guys, but then mm-hmm. you have Charles Harris in the trenches, who had yeah. not had that production either until mm-hmm. he had come to Detroit. So it's it it, it kind of doesn't matter where you are 
at in your career, somehow this Detroit Lions defensive right. staff came in, tweaked things, and just got production that we've just never seen out of anyone. Right. And it's just Dan Campbell hiring Aaron Glenn to come on the staff. AG gets a bunch of defensive coordinator uh, mm-hmm. attention. Aubrey Pleasant gets defensive coordinator position. Yeah. And Detroit, where would you put their defense coming into the season? Where did you, um, mm-hmm. if you recall? Yeah, so coming into the season, I expected below-average defense. I think mm-hmm. you still generally got that. And they, the, the injuries in the secondary were really tough Brutal. for them to deal with. Yeah, especially when, when you're moving from Patricia and you're going to run a lot of man coverage to Pleasant and Glenn where that Saints-style defense is complex. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes on, and safety-wise, they need help. Uh, they got to be able to address that position free agency or draft because for every Charles Harris, right, there's the guys that you do bring in or, or the, the guys that have stayed like a Will Harris or whatever who you try to work the magic and just sometimes you don't, it doesn't click as much, mm-hmm. right? Like Charles Harris represents those dice rolls where you're just like, all right, this guy was an athlete. Let's see what he can do. And yep. then all the, he, what was that one game where he just took over? Is that the Arizona game? Right? He's like three sacks and a half, it right? Was exactly. Arizona, yeah. yes. And you're like, all right, that's why we rolled that dice. You know what yes. I mean? Because maybe we're going to get that out of him. And mm-hmm. so you have those dice rolls. Um, in general, I think you're still expecting that defense to, to be around the middle of the pack because defense is a very volatile thing. Mm-hmm. It, it can change really fast. It can get one player, like you can get a Jerry Jacobs undrafted and then bang. All of a sudden, you have yourself like a nickel corner. And so right. it, it is a volatile thing. It's hard to prognosticate at this point, but that's a coaching staff that you trust. Mm-hmm. And they've, in, they've, they've invested first round picks, they've invested money like Trey Flowers. We'll see what comes of it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, we have to talk more about Penny Sewell. Yeah. Seventh, seventh overall pick mm-hmm. has to move between positions there yep. on the off- offensive line no one really knows what he's going to be able to do they know he's a specimen but mm-hmm. they're not sure how that's going to translate into the nfl yeah. so i spoke with Panay. i think we had two or three weeks left in the season he's like i i didn't do anything this season i'm like no like you did a lot and mm-hmm. you did it really well so yeah. what were your what, what is your take on Panay? i'm not surprised that sewell says that because yeah. that first season is always so like your, your world becomes so much bigger and yeah. your horizons expand so much you're just like what like he's mm-hmm. like it, it goes by in a flash you feel like you're in constant scramble mode, mode as a rookie especially when you're moving around like that Sua was uh i don't know i don't want to like exactly as i expected but when mm-hmm. when Sua came in i was confident it's gonna be a real good ball player yeah and then when he moves to the left side you go all right this is gonna be rough for a little bit like, you know excuse me when you move to the other side you, you expect this is gonna be rough for a little bit mm-hmm. because you're gonna have uh like I, was he the one who made the metaphor where it's like wiping your butt with the other hand I, there's an offensive lineman that's very, a great metaphor very famously I, don't think said yeah, that. <laughs> very, I can't remember which offensive lineman it might have been lane johnson i'm an eagles fan um but there was an offensive tackle who said when you switch sides man it's like wiping your butt with the other hand and that's it's like difficult yeah it's like you think about it and you're like oh like i would generally get how to do that but that would be different you get the would, concept would but feel executing the concept yeah, yeah, is yeah, a little exactly. hard and so what, what i always like to do is like when you fold your arms you put one arm over the other if you try to think about doing it the other way you can do it but it feels weird it right feels yeah, weird. yeah and so that's what switching sides in the offensive line is so it's okay for that to be bad for a little bit leave him out there he was still killing people as a run blocker she had to figure out how to set his hands figure out how to set his feet and he did he's a smart cookie he's a super talented athlete so now you've got Panay with experience on both Mm -hmm. sides and that's nice because it allows you to mix and match as you need to in the course of his career I think he's gonna be a great tackle for a long time I agree Mm -hmm. okay what is your season prediction do you already have predictions for this upcoming season win losses when when it seems you have the number two overall pick and a question mark at quarterback and can't get me can't make a question at quarterback it's gonna be just because you're at two Right, like okay. if if the Lions were at eleven, I don't think it would be as much of a conversation. So you think right? Lions might take a quarterback at two? I think that when you're when you're that early in the draft, you have to do the diligence on it. Okay, you it, uh, 
taking this quarterback. This year yeah. in this quarterback class. Yeah, you do. Uh, okay. Because even in this year, this quarterback class, you might like a guy, right? Yeah. Like for it to be a generally bad quarterback class doesn't mean there's one guy you don't like. And that's kind of the idea, right? Uh, when you're in the top 10, you're in quarterback territory. Okay. That is typically the pick you need to spend to go get a franchise guy. So when you have one of those picks, you got to do the work, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and teams are going to do the work regardless because, oh, what if a guy becomes a free agent in three years? Like yeah. You kind of know how that goes. But when you have the number two overall pick, and especially when the team in front of you has Trevor Lawrence, you are the, the first spot where maybe a quarterback change could be had. Golf played well, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like golf's, golf's an, a, a perfectly acceptable NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the price at which he was traded. That's kind of the way he was viewed during the end of his career with the Rams. Um, but in general, like, if you're going to be in that early pick, you're going to have to do your due diligence. And if you fall in love with a guy, right, and we talked about Malik earlier, Malik Willis out of Liberty is this this guy with such potential, this, this unbelievable high-ceiling prospect. If you fall in love with that guy, you don't get him next year. Not because he may not be here, yeah. but because you're probably not, and certainly not planning to, picking the top tens. When you have right. that pick, you have to do the work. That's okay. Well, that bring, there's a lot of talk with Aiden Hutchinson and Cameron yep. Thibodeau going number two overall for the Lions, if they're available. So would you rather see one of those edge rushers or a quarterback for Detroit at number two? Personally, for how I view Malik and the rest of the quarterback class, I'd take one of the edges okay. uh, because I don't trust the quarterback we class. We can throw like Kyle that. Hamilton yeah. into this as well. You said they need a safety, and he deserves to be. And this is—I'm actually—I'm writing this this weekend. Ooh, don't spoil okay. it. Okay, um, but it's about Kyle Hamilton going early. Okay, uh, in general. Uh, that the more you play with two deep safety, which is what Aaron Glenn and, and, and that defense is going to do coming from New Orleans, they're going to play man match stuff with two safeties on the roof, the more important your safety's versatility becomes. Okay. And a guy like Hamilton, I said, like, you know, uh, Malik Wills may not come around every year, but you're always going to get high potential quarterbacks. You don't get Malik. We don't see 6-4 safety. Like, this doesn't happen, right? When's that? What's a comparison? A good comparison? Derwin is the best comparison, okay. right? Derwin James. Yeah. Even that is a little bit tricky okay. uh, because Hamilton played more true on the roof, true single high on the center fielding safety than Derwin did. Derwin played a little bit more in the box. And for Derwin what, got a lot of love this season. Real good ball player. Yeah. Uh, and, and and Derwin falling as far as he did was a reflection of how the league viewed safeties in 2017. Why are they not drafting them very high then? That's my next yeah. question. So in general, like, I mean, just think about watching a football game. Yeah. Right now you're looking at it on the TV copy. You can't even see the safeties, no, right? Those guys are, are further from the ball. And as a general rule, the further you are from the ball, the harder it is for you to have an impact on the game, Correct. right? The ball's generally going to stay about where it is, and then they're going to throw it, whatever. And when they throw it, it's going to the corners, right? So when you play, let's talk about a single high coverage, right? Cover one, mm-hmm. cover three. That safety's in the center of the field. Quarterbacks will just throw where he can't get to, yes. right? And unless your name was Earl Thomas, there were places you couldn't get you to. Unless get your name to. was Ed Reed, there were places you couldn't get to. So you feel like you could neutralize that guy. And so we've seen a swing of the last five years in saying, all right, single high safety. We're just, so many teams after the Legion of Boom Seahawks really wanted to find themselves an Earl. They mm-hmm. all tried. Turns out you can't. So in the last five or so years, we've seen a swing away from that. And now there's starting to be a little bit of a counterswing, right? The yeah. league develops in pendulums. There are two guys responsible for that. One is Marcus Williams. Okay. He played for Aaron Glenn mm-hmm. uh, in, New, in New Orleans. He's potentially going to be a free agent. Makes a lot of sense for the Detroit Lions. And the other is Jesse Bates, who just played in the Super Bowl. And these guys could play single high, but they could also do combo stuff. They could get down in the box. They could go cover somebody. And that sort of player is Kyle Hamilton, right? Okay. And so if you feel like your defense needs unlocking in the back seven, if you feel like you can generate pressure up front, do a little blitzes, Trey Flowers is going to take a stab, whatever then, yeah, you can look at Kyle Hamilton and say, this guy might be the solution. This guy might be the force multiplier, the tide that lifts all boats in our defensive backfield. you got to believe it with conviction because that's mm-hmm. going to be the earliest drafted safety ever. But if he, it, this is the way the league is going. If there's a little bit of a backswing right now saying safeties are probably more important than we've realized over the last few years. Man. Yeah. Who, who do you have, who do you have pick, picking up Kyle Hamilton? 
Uh, right now, I would guess that if he gets three to the Texans, okay. I would say that Houston is in a position to take the best player available. And to me, the best player available at that point is probably going to be Kyle Hamilton at a lot of points in this draft, almost at every point in this draft. I think the best player available might be Kyle Hamilton. It's making that commitment to taking a safety top five and saying we're going to prioritize pass coverage. We're going to prioritize mm-hmm. this approach over everything else, which when you have a dude that maybe is an eight-sack-year player, ten-sack-year player like Hutchinson or Thibodeau, mm-hmm. it's a lot safer to go, we'll take that guy and have good stats and no right. one will yell at us. You know yes. what I mean? And so it, it, it does take a big chest to do it. And so we'll see. Well, we're going to hear a lot about – the top teams over the next month or so and start to figure out who's going to go where. We'll see if Hamilton is that sort of run. Okay, we'll wrap it up with, I, I do want to ask, number 32 overall. Yeah. Some mock drafts do have Detroit drafting a quarterback at yeah. 32. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that fifth-year option is, okay. is, is a tag that gets put on the end of a contract, right? Mm-hmm. You have a four-year deal as a first-year pick, and then you have a fifth-year option. Right. And it's going to be cheaper than the market price for a quarterback, assuming that quarterback is good. Assuming that quarterback is a, is a, is a second-year guy. Okay. You only, or excuse me, a second-contract guy. You only get a fifth-year option on a first-round pick. Yes. And so that's why that 32 becomes really interesting. That was the Teddy Bridgewater pick. That's the Lamar Jackson pick. Mm-hmm. So the theory basically goes, if we get a good quarterback, we will wish we drafted him at 32 instead of 33. So we might as well you know, might give it a well shot, give it a swing. 32. Right. Um, We'll see who's available. I would I would like that. I wouldn't mind that at all, especially with Goff still on contract. You can go get yep. a rookie at 32, put him out there in training camp. If you Russell Wilson's Matt Flynn, sick. You start in week one. If you Trey Lance's Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not going to start all year. Yeah. That's okay. That that works. You're just going to get that guy in the building, and it gives you another dice roll we've been talking mm-hmm. about at, at quarterback. So I'm a Desmond Ritter guy to Cincinnati. I had a great week. Yeah. Desmond's making it to 32, and the Lions say, we're going to give that a try. I would love that. I wouldn't fault them at all. All righty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bottom line some hope for the Detroit Lions absolutely plenty of hope for the Detroit Lions yes coaching staff is good Uh, uh, nuts and bolts talk about like building a house the bones of it are good yeah foundation foundation's good now it's a matter of let's get healthy let's have a good offseason let's get some momentum